Hello everyone, welcome to show number three of the Firearms Cafe podcast. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Action stations, set condition one throughout the ship. This is not a drill. Repeat, action stations, action stations. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Firearms Cafe. I'm glad you've chosen to spend a little bit of time with me today. Before I get into the show, I wanted to take a little bit of time to remind everyone that they can go over to the Gun Rights Radio Network, and over there, there's the forums, there's also links to uh, other podcaster sites, as well as you have the ability to just do one-click subscriptions to their podcast. So go ahead and head over there when you have some extra time. Uh, If you'd like to, join up to the forums, and uh, you'll be able to leave comments and give feedback and have a little bit of interaction with some of the other podcasters over there. Uh, I'd also like to take this opportunity to uh, thank the people over there that have given me encouragement and, and have told me to uh, you know, keep on plugging away, uh, it means a lot, and just wanted to say thank you guys. So today's show is entitled, The Average Gun Owner in America and Why You Don't Want to Be One. I was thinking the other day about the types of people that are gun owners in America. And I came to the conclusion that there were about four types. The type one was an active person, type two, semi-active, type three, inactive, and uh, type four, the accidental owner. And I'll talk a little bit later in the show about what kind of a gun owner I used to be and where I think I fit now in those categories, those four categories that I talked about a little earlier. So let's jump right into it. Type one is the the active gun owner. Now this person is going to be a firm believer in the Second Amendment and also in the Constitution. Uh, very patriotic, and they have strong feelings about this country and about the freedoms that we have. Now, that active person, they're going to be an NRA member. Now, they, they may be a member of another gun organization, such as uh, you know, like the Gun Owners of America or something else like that, but they, they will for sure be an NRA member. If one is allowed in their state, they're going to have a concealed carry permit, and they're going to, they're going to carry. Now, if they're not a member of a local gun range, they're still going to shoot as often as they can, whether they uh, go out to a uh, unpopulated wilderness-type areas or whether they, they just go to, again, their local range, but they just pay every time that they go. Uh, the active person is going to be very familiar with the firearms that they have. They're going to train with them, and that training is going to be either formal or informal-type training. Uh, informal type training is basically you're just out there you're out the range you're shooting you're you're becoming again more familiar you're getting basically that trigger time the formal training is going to be the classes that you're going to pay and take or or if someone sets up a seminar uh, things like that 
the active person is going to be what I call a multi-gun owner. Uh, they're, they're most likely to have more than three guns, and these could be pistols or handguns or, or uh, rifles, shotguns, but they're, they're going to have more than probably three of those. Now, they may or may not be active in the shooting sports or in hunting, but, you know, they, again, they do, they do like shooting, but they may not have enough time. In the political arena, that active person, they're going to be aware of not only their local issues, but also of the national issues that are going on. Uh, they're going to vote along Second Amendment lines uh, from the guy who's running for town council all the way up to the guy who's running for president. Um, they're often going to do volunteer work, again, for those candidates. So they may put up yard signs, they may stuff envelopes, they may volunteer to make phone calls or go door to door. When uh, house bills or assembly bills come up, they're going to contact their local uh, government officials, so their, their governors, senators, state representatives, uh, legislatures, things of that nature. And they're going to contact them either through the phone, through letters, through email, whatever is the best way to contact that person. If they do have public hearings on these issues, if they can, they'll show up to them. They're going to be involved in, in some way in some type of activism. And they may be involved in, I guess the term would be, you could say maybe media type activism, which would be things like the show, like a podcast, or they'll have a blog, or they'll have uh, what they call a vlog, which is a, a video log that they have. A lot of them are on YouTube, you can see. Because they are aware politically of what's going on, that active gun owner isn't swayed by mainstream media hype. Now, the semi-active gun owner, this category and this person is going to be defined a lot by the phrase may or may not. So they're going to have, or can have I should say, a lot in common with the active gun owner. So they're going to be that Second Amendment and Constitution believer. But here's where some of the differences are and here's where we're going to use that term may or may not a lot. They may or may not be an NRA member. There's probably about a 50-50 chance. If they're not an NRA member, odds are they're not going to belong to any other gun rights organization. Uh, they may or may not be aware of their local issues, but they are going to have a basic knowledge of some of the major national issues. So a good example of that recently would be the Heller case, you know, the Second Amendment case. So they're going to be aware of that. They may or may not be politically active, uh, they kind of think, well, I, you know, I should be more aware, I should be more active, but, you know, I, I don't have the time. Uh, and some may feel, well, you know, other people are out there doing it, and they'll pick up the slack. And, and you know, kind of on that lower end of the semi-active category, some may even feel that, you know, that their voice really won't make a difference. Like, oh, what does it matter my sending them that letter or calling somebody? Now, when they see things, though, like what happened at, in uh, Louisiana with Hurricane Katrina, 
and the gun confiscations, when they see those type of things, they're concerned. And they get, you know, upset at seeing that. And that may, things like that may push them further up that scale towards becoming more involved or becoming more active. And again, they may or may not have a concealed carry permit. Uh, they can feel that, well, it's not really that necessary, or that it was just too much of a pain in the butt to get one, or they just haven't gotten around to it yet. But they're not opposed to the idea. They may shoot or hunt, or they may not. Um, if they do shoot or hunt, it's pretty rare. Now, they may really enjoy doing it, but again, they just they haven't made the time to do it. Uh, in most cases, I would say, unlike the, the real active person, they're not going to have more than two guns, maybe three tops. Uh, and uh, again, in common with the, the active gun owner, they don't believe a lot of the anti-gun media reports. But here's where on that lower end of the semi-active spectrum, some of them may or may not consider gun issues when voting. So that leads us to the third category, which is the inactive gun owner. Now, this gun owner is in danger of becoming so apathetic about guns and gun rights and freedoms that we have in this country that they might as well be anti-rights. This person probably only has one gun. Uh, more than likely, it may be uh, an older shotgun. It could be an old hunting rifle. Uh, it may be a, a small caliber handgun. If it's a handgun, it's something that they bought a long time ago. They haven't shot it recently. They don't even really think about it much. Now, the reason that they initially purchased the gun, they may have gotten it for home defense. And if they got it for that, they haven't really trained with it. Uh, it's probably sat on the nightstand or sat in a dresser drawer for the last 25 years and it has the same ammo in it uh, that they bought on the day that they got the gun. So again, they may be used to shoot or hunt, but they've lost the taste for it. They've kind of forgotten how much fun it is. Now that inactive guy or gal, they don't want to have to give up their gun. And deep down, they don't really feel that it would ever come to that. But if they had to turn it in, if a law got passed where it said that, you know, they'd be a little upset about it. But it, it's almost, they're more upset, not necessarily for losing that right of having a gun, but it's more for that loss of, of personal property. Now, again, they're, if that law passed, they're going to do it and turn it in. And after a while, they really wouldn't feel much different than they did before because they're, they're not exercising that right. They, they don't care that much about losing that freedom because they're not, they're not out there exercising it. The inactive person is not going to be an NRA member. They're not going to be a member of any type of gun rights organization. They're not going to have really any desire to have any kind of concealed carry permit they're not going to be politically active. And let me clarify a little bit here. When, I, when I'm saying politically active, what I mean is as far as gun rights and gun issues are concerned. They may be very active in other realms, but as far as, as guns and gun rights, 
again, not so much. They're going to be pretty much unaware of local gun issues, of national issues, and in fact, as hard as it may be to believe, some may not even really know about the recent uh, Second Amendment victory that we got in the Heller case. Now, the inactive person, they also, they don't really see what's so wrong with having gun control laws. They don't see what the big deal is about having, you know, uh, bans on high-capacity magazines, you know, magazines that are over the standard, magazines that are over 10 rounds. You know, they kind of think, well, why would I need anything over 10 rounds? And they would look at somebody like me who has who has guns that have capacities, which are the standard, that are 30 rounds, they would say, well, why do you need all that? And what they don't see and what they don't understand is if you can cap that magazine capacity at 10 rounds, why can't you cap it at 5? Why can't you cap it at 3? Why can't you make it all guns have to be single shot? it's, It's not so much about what that number is. That number's it's arbitrary. It's basically about the freedom of being able, if you want to have a 10 round magazine, you can have a 10 round. If you want to have a 75 round drum, you should be able to have it. Now, they also don't really care about, you know, things like an assault weapons ban, or what I should say is a so-called assault weapons ban. Because they're never going to own an AR-15. They're never going to own an AK-47. So if that particular firearm got banned, what do they care? They're never going to own one. Uh, They also tend to be more easily swayed by the media. And they they usually will not consider gun issues uh, when voting. And that's if they vote at all. Now the fourth and the final category is what I consider to be an accidental gun owner. Now these people that are gun owners usually come into possession of a firearm by inheritance. So somebody in their family or a really good friend of theirs passes away and they left them a firearm. So now they're a gun owner. But they never really had owned a gun in the past and they never really had a desire to have one. And of that accidental gun owner, there's probably about three types. The first would be, again, while they could really care less about the gun as a gun and what that means as as having a firearm, they're going to keep that because it has sentimental value to them. So it was their father's shotgun or it was their grandpa's pistol. Or, you know, it was a favorite aunt and she did a lot of target shooting and that was the the rifle that she used. And so they want to keep it because that means something to them. It's a tie to that person. The second type of that accidental gun owner, they don't like the gun. They don't want the gun. In fact, they are anti-gun. And they're going to get rid of it as soon as possible. And that type of person is probably going to go down and turn it into the police and say, can you destroy this thing? And the third type of it is, is would be a widow. So either the husband or the wife owned a firearm, and then that person has passed away, and the widow is now left with that, with that gun. And 
maybe none of their kids wanted it, none of the other family members want it, and now they have to they have to do something with it. Um, or in some cases, they you know, the 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 person who the gun was registered to, when they when they pass away, that gun then has to be turned into the state. I think maybe New New York or New Jersey may have some some laws that are like that. But even that third type of person, they're gonna eventually get rid of the gun because they don't really see a use for it. And most of the accidental gun owners, but not all, but most of them believe that gun control is a good thing. They believe what they hear on TV. They believe what they read in the newspapers. They, again, guns just and, and gun rights and, and what the freedom that that represents, that doesn't really mean anything to them because they don't, they don't equate guns and the, and the ownership and possession of a gun with freedom. And a little earlier, I think I had mentioned that, you know, in looking at these types, that no one is going to fit into those categories probably 100%. There may be some. Um, so, you know, a person who's at the bottom, maybe of that active level, may be the same as that person who's at the top of the semi-active level. But again, what you're not going to see happen is you're not going to see that, that active gun owner, that guy who's involved, having a lot in common with that person who is inactive or who is, again, that accidental gun owner. Earlier I'd mentioned that I would let you guys know kind of where I was and where I am now and where I think that I fit in on that category. And it's a little embarrassing to say, but I was, for the most part, and for most of my life, was at the very bottom of that semi-active level and was starting to slip into that inactive level. Uh, now, I, I had my guns, and I was a firm believer in the Second Amendment and believed that it was an individual right, uh, but I didn't shoot very much. I, I did when I was younger, but I had gotten, gotten, gotten away from it, gotten away from hunting. I wasn't an NRA member. I didn't have a, uh, a concealed carry permit. Now, I didn't believe in gun control and was against registration. And I knew that the media basically was, was extremely slanted as far as gun issues were represented. So let's look at me now. Now I am an NRA member. I have my concealed carry permit. And I plan on always having one. I belong to a local gun range. And I shoot as often as I can. I'm much, much more aware of the political struggles that go on. And I am constantly trying to educate and re-educate myself on gun issues. I will contact uh, local um, government officials, so governor's office I'll contact, state legislatures, senators, even on national levels. I'll send letter, emails, uh, things of that nature. Uh, and, and as you can hear, obviously, I'm doing a podcast, so I am trying to do my part to just make people aware of what our rights are and to keep our rights intact and just you know again just to get the word out 
So why don't you want to be an average gun owner? Well, the average gun owner, their attitude for the most part is that someone else will take care of it. Or that, you know, really radical gun control measures won't get through. You know, I, I have a revolver and they're not ever going to take that away. They're not going to ban it. Or I have a shotgun and, you know, all this other stuff doesn't apply to me. So if you're the average gun owner in America today, unfortunately, you probably fall into that inactive category. And that's why you don't want to be an average gun owner in America today. So let's go ahead and ask the question, what type of gun owner am I? Now, what I want you to do is to think about this question before you answer be brutally honest. Try and turn off your emotions and, and take a look at yourself and your belief on guns and gun rights and on the freedoms that you have. And try to, try to see this from outside yourself. You know, if you need to, sleep on it. Take a couple of days to think about it. And, and again, this should be an internal discussion. So, don't ask your spouse or other family members or your best friend about it. Don't go to them and say, well, what kind of a gun owner do you think I am? This is something that should just be just you. So do you have an answer to that question? So if you do, let's ask the most important question that we're going to ask on the show today. And that is, what kind of a gun owner do I want to be? And if you want, you can even expand that out to what kind of a person do I want to be? Not what do other people want me to be or what do I think other people want me to be? So let's say you've answered that question. If you find that you're happy where you are, if you see that what you're doing now is of some help, no matter how small, that's good. And I'm glad that you're there. However, if you see that you could do more, now is the time to act. Now, nobody can make that choice for you, and nobody should. Again, look, look deep down and do what you know is the right thing to do. You don't have to do it all at once. Like the old saying goes, every journey starts with that first step. And you know, that's one of the great things about living in America, is that we have the freedom to be what we want to be. We can have our country return to a country of common sense and to a country that values freedom we can have those common sense things not only be in regards to guns and gun rights, but with most everything else as well. If you don't belong to the NRA and you feel that that, that would be a good first step, join today. You can go over to Mark's site at gunrights.us. There'll be a, a button that says join the NRA. Click on that join the NRA button and for $25, you can be a member. Because if you're a gun owner and you're not a member of the NRA, 
you're letting other people do the heavy lifting for you. Current estimates say that there's, what, about 90 million of us that are gun owners in the U.S., and there's around oh, 4 million or so NRA members. That's not a very high percent. What, is it about 5 or something like that? I think uh, Wayne LaPierre said something to the effect that if the current number of members was between 8 and 10 million, that we would be able to just to get about anything done we wanted as far as getting some of these draconian gun laws and bans and restrictions overturned. Because we, as a group, would be so large that the politicians would sit up and take notice. Now when you think about it, getting about 8 to 10 million members from a 90 million member pool shouldn't be that hard. Now some of you may say, well I belong to another gun organization and I don't necessarily care for what the NRA stands for or what they do sometimes. I have some issues. And that's fine. But the reality is the NRA is the 900-pound gorilla that walks into the room. You can't ignore it. That's who Congress and lawmakers listen to. Now, with the way things are going politically, we need to make sure that the NRA and, you know, the other gun organizations are strong. Because if Obama gets in, we're in for a long haul. You know, we should look at our beliefs as being on a scale, on one side of a scale, and our actions as being on the other side. And if you wanted to, you could even replace the word belief with goals. So we should look at our goals at being on one side of a scale and our actions to meet those goals as being on the other side. And at the very least, our scale should be balanced. But in reality, to affect change, our actions have to outweigh our beliefs. Because our actions are going to speak louder than our words. Well, I think I'm going to wind down the show now. If you'd like to give me some feedback or some comments, it's always welcome. You can email me at firearmscafe at gmail.com uh, or you can go to the Gun Rights Radio Network on the forums there and leave me a comment at the uh, Firearms Cafe section. Uh, speaking of the Gun Rights Radio Network, if you go there, you can find, I think, about eight other podcasts to listen to. Uh, let me name them off for you guys real quick. There's Gun Rights Advocate Podcast with Mark Vandenberg. Uh, Mick McCart does the Armed Citizens podcast. Um, the Urban Shooter with Ken Blanchard is a good one. Uh, Matt Long does uh, Gun Rights News. There's Militant Marksman, um, hosted by Sean Horton. There's The Shot Show with Doc Wesson. Um, the Pro Arms podcast, and that they have a uh, kind of like a roundtable discussion, and that's produced by Gail Pepin. There's the Handgun Podcast, and that's a, a relatively new one. That's hosted by Eric Shelton. And, of course, there's, you know, the one you're listening to right now, which is the Firearms Cafe with yours truly, Tony Brown. 
So go over there, join up, give a listen, give out some, give, if you haven't listened to some of those sh other shows, go ahead, give them a shot, give them a try. I listen to every single one of them, and I like every single one of them. Now, some people may say, oh, you're just saying that because you're part of the, of the Gun Rights Radio Network. Well, no. I mean, I listened to those, all those shows before, and if they booted me out of the network tomorrow, I'd still listen to them. I, I enjoy all those shows. I don't get anything for saying I like them. Um, if, if you go over there and you give them a chance, I know you'll find out of all those shows at least one that you like. Well, I hope you guys got something out of today's show. Now, I know that I feel better since I've become more active. And I know that no matter what the ultimate outcome of guns and gun rights in our country how, that's, how that plays out ultimately. I know that I at least got involved and that I did act, that I, I tried to do something. I'll sign off for now. This has been your host, Tony Brown, a.k.a. The Armed Ape, over on the forums. I hope you'll come back real soon to the Firearms Cafe. And as always, we'll save a seat for you at our table. Thank you for listening. Hey guys, one last thing. This is a little bonus that I found while I was uh, surfing the interwebs. I came across some super secret audio. It was actual audio of Senator Obama's reaction when he heard that the Heller case was won and that the Second Amendment was now an individual right. So here's what he had to say. And he followed up that comment with this. Oh, crap!